fact about Philippians. I took a, a survey of the New Testament course probably 20 years ago. One of the questions on the final was you had to write out all the names of the books of the New Testament in order spelled correctly. I misspelled Philippians. I keep wanting to put two L's in the middle there. And so you, is it two L's and two P's or one L and two P's or two L's and one P? And so I, I miss Philippians. So um, Now Philippians is one of the prison epistles, um, just like Ephesians, and also Colossians, which we'll be talking about next time, and Philemon, that, uh, that Paul wrote when he was in prison. And I guess that kind of blows the, uh, the who wrote it part of the, uh, part of the talk. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about that in just a minute, but, um, but the scholars and everybody pretty much agree that Paul, Paul was the guy. But of course, you know, I like to start with a map. This is Paul's second missionary journey. Um, started down here and wound away. Right up here is where he picked up Timothy. Uh, Paul and Silas were traveling and they, they picked up Timothy there. They went up into Asia and the Spirit prevented them from preaching in Asia, according to Acts. Um, and so they went on down to Troas, and that's where, if you'll remember, the, um, Paul had a vision in his sleep about a Macedonian man, said, please come over and help us. So that's where they went, to Macedonia. And of course, our aardvark. Shows us where Philippi is. Um, so just so you'll have some kind of an idea. This was the first church that was formed in Europe. So uh, the Holy Spirit moved Paul from, from Asia into Europe. So Philippi was a city that, um, can anybody name, guess who it was named for? Philip of Macedonia, who was Alexander the Great's daddy. Well, when Alexander the Great was getting ready to start uh, empire building, he needed money. And so there were a lot of gold mines in the area around Philippi, so he established a city, uh, named it for himself, and they, they started mining gold to finance his, uh, his operation. That continued on with Alexander the Great's operation, too, and then by the time the, uh, the Romans took over from the Greeks, the, um, the gold mine was pretty much played out, so there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, whole, wasn't a whole lot of gold there. But they were, they were mining, uh, it said, a thousand talents of gold a year, which doesn't mean anything to me, but it's, in today's dollars, it's several billion dollars uh, worth of gold every year. So this area also, the Aegean Sea right up in there and some of these land areas were also part of uh, some of the um, battles after Julius Caesar was killed, was assassinated. Some of the battles that were, were fought between the German, um, the, not the Germans, the uh, generals that served under him, um, they were all kind of jockeying for position and for control and, and power. Some of those battles were fought in that same area. And the more I read about Philippi, the, uh, the more it kind of sounded like this area, because it was, a, it was a colony of Rome, but there were a lot of military veterans that settled there. And so, um, you know, I grew up in Fort Walton, and over there, there's a lot of Air Force veterans that settle there, because guys come into Eglin, and they, they do their tour there, and then they like it, and they want to move back. Same thing here, 
mean, Pensacola, a lot of the guys come in and they, they like Pensacola and they, they want to move back, so they retire here. So you could imagine there's, there's a, lot of, um, a lot of pride in the, um, a lot of uh, patriotism, a lot of, a lot of pride in their, in their country. So um, it opens up, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So like I mentioned, the evidence is good that, that it's a letter that was written by Paul. And one of the things that's kind of interesting about this one is he names names. Um, if you'll remember when Pastor Joel was talking about Corinthians, uh, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church about some specific issues that they were having and what they needed to do to fix them. And then uh, writing the letter after that, 2 Corinthians, to uh, say, you know, good job and, and kind of build them back up a little bit. Um, the Ephesians that we were talking about last time um, was more of a general letter. It wasn't really written to address specific issues. There was a lot of theology in it, and then there was a lot of application on what to do with that theology. And then uh, same, same with Philipp Philippians, um, except that he names names and he talks some specifics about the, the church at, at Philippi. So what do we know about Philippi and Paul's ministry there? Well, like I mentioned, the, uh, the people were very proud of their Roman citizenship. And what, is, what does Roman citizenship come with? What, what privileges do you get if you're a Roman citizen in this time? <coughs> Did I hear something back there? Taxes. Taxes, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, they got a break on taxes if they were a citizen. Yeah, you got, you got certain rights as far as legalities go that, that they couldn't do things to you because you're a citizen. You have the ability to appeal to Caesar. You have an appeal that's available to you so that the, just the local ruler couldn't just do with you as he, as he wished. Um, so citizenship was important, and I think Paul kind of uses that whenever he's addressing the, the people of Philippi to kind of point out that their citizenship is not a Roman citizenship, it's a heavenly citizenship. And I think it's the same thing that we can look at um, in our own lives today because it's important for us to be good citizens. I think that's entirely biblical that we need to be a good citizens as long as the government is, is allowing us to be. Um, but we need to remember that, that we're, not, we're not citizens here. This is our temporary duty station for those military folks. Is it TDY? Yes. That's where we are here. Our, our home base is in heaven. And we, we saw that last, last time when we looked at Ephesians. Because remember what, what Paul told, told the Ephesians was, where, where are we seated right now? We're seated in the heavenlies. We're sojourners here. And we're just sojourners here. We're, we're, that's our citizenship. So this is just temporary right here. And uh, I think that, that example of the citizenship kind of uh, could speak to their hearts. So what happened in Philippi? And this is only going to work if you get it in the right order, because that's, that's the order that I put it on the slide. So you've got you to gotta guess the right one. What happened in Philippi when, when Paul was there? Who did he meet first? Lydia. Lydia, seller of purple. So when he first got to town... They went down to the river because they thought there would be a place to pray there. 
um, and they met with the women that were down there praying. One of them was Lydia, and the Lord opened her heart to what Paul was saying. She was um, converted, and then she had him stay at her place. Um, what else happened there? Okay, why? Yeah, the demon-possessed girl. She, and it's really kind of funny. I, was, I had forgotten this until I w went back and read that this week, getting ready for this. But um, whenever Paul was going down to the river where, they, where he thought there would be a place to pray, this demon-possessed girl says, you know, I know who you are, you know, and uh, he had kind of ignored her. But it says that she kept doing it over and over and over again, and it, I think it said more than one day, so it, she, it, was a, it was a habitual thing. And it said that Paul got annoyed because <laughs> she kept saying that. So he turned around and he said, commanded the demon to come out of her. Well, the problem was there were people that were making a lot of money on her um, because she was able to uh, forecast the future or whatever. And so they got kind of aggravated because now their source of income is gone. So they dragged Paul to the magistrate, Paul and Silas, to the magistrate, and uh, he commanded that they, they beat him, and then they threw him into jail. So he's, he and Silas are in jail, and uh, they're chained to the floor, and the, the jailer was commanded to keep them safely uh, locked up, and do you remember what happened then? They were singing and praising the Lord, and the earthquake came along and popped open all the, all the things. The jailer was getting ready to kill himself because he figured all the prisoners had escaped. Um, and so Paul said, no, we're still here. And so um, the jailer was converted in all his household. He took Paul and Silas to his house, and, um, and then the... Uh, um, it was kind of funny, the, the magistrates, when they found out that Paul was a Roman citizen, they knew they had screwed up because they beat him without a trial and threw him in jail. So they sent word to the jailer that, okay, he can leave. They can leave. And Paul said, no, I'm not leaving. You come here and apologize publicly because you did, you did this publicly. You need to come here and make it right publicly. So, um, so they did, and, and then he left. And shortly after that is when they left uh, Philippi. Um, and we also know, like I mentioned, it was, this letter was written from prison. Now, it's easy to forget, not this, not this imprisonment, but a, a later imprisonment whenever he was writing back. It's easy to forget whenever you're reading through it because one of the, or the characteristics of, of Philippians is it's very encouraging. Um, it's very hopeful. It's joyful. Uh, it's optimistic. So Paul wrote that while he was in prison, while he was chained probably, to a, a Roman uh, guard. And he was under the threat of a, a death sentence. So at that point, he didn't know what was going to happen to him, whether he was going to be uh, judged guilty and, and executed. And when somebody got a death sentence back then, it wasn't like somebody getting a death sentence now where you know it could be 30 years and you, you may die of old age before they actually get around to executing. If somebody got a death sentence, they... They took care of it pretty pretty quickly. So at that point, Paul didn't know what he was what he was up against. So we know who wrote it. We know who it was written to. It was written 
somewhere around uh, the year 60. Um, so why did he write it? And this is a quote from one of the, uh, from the main commentator that I, that I was reading this week. The search for tranquility is on. This, by the way, this was written, this commentator wrote it around 1960. So this is about uh, 65 years, 60 years ago. The search for tranquility is on, and in a big way, in order to attain peace of mind, Americans are swallowing tons of tranquilizers. In addition to the drugs, there are the tranquilizing books. These have become bestsellers overnight, single editions running into the hundreds of thousands. So there's a lot of um, pe people are looking for something to hope in. But my, my fallen, finite mind, what do you think it went to whenever I read this? And then it went to this. Come on, stop. Um, and if you, if, if you remember this guy, he's a character from uh, Mad Magazine, and his slogan is, what, me worry? And that magazine was originated back in the early 60s as well, back when the, uh, the Cold War was at its peak. And uh, they, it was a satirical magazine, and a lot of the satire had to do with the Russian-U.S. You know, nuclear, uh, getting ready to wipe out the world with nuclear weapons and all that kind of stuff. So what's the difference in what we believe, what Paul was writing to, to Philippians, and you don't have to answer this because we're going to be answering it for the rest of this time that we have to look at this, but the difference between what we believe and, and that song is there's a reason for us to have hope. There's something that we can hope in. And by the way, I had never read the lyrics to that song until I was looking for the clip to put in here. It literally says nothing except for, yeah, life is bad, don't worry. <laughs> nothing. Life is bad, just, it, it's going to be worse if you worry, so just don't worry. Um, that's not what Paul says. Our, our hope is different. So um, these uh, title sections here, that's not original from me. That's from the, the commentator that I was looking at. Can somebody read the uh, Philippians 1, 4, and 5? So Paul knew what they were up against. He knew what their situation was. He knew the, the area that they, they were ministering in. Um, because remember, they, they beat Paul and put him in jail. These guys are still there. They're still in that same community. They're still trying to minister. But they partner, partnered with Paul in the gospel, and they haven't, uh, haven't wavered from that. Can somebody read that uh, 9 through 11? So be pure and blameless for the day of 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So like we had mentioned last time with Ephesians, that's another prayer that you can pray for someone if you have a Christian brother or sister and you don't know how to pray for them. That's one you could pray for them, that, that love would abound more and more, that they would have more knowledge, more discernment, um, that they would approve what's excellent, and uh, so that be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Um, so he has their, their best in mind. That's what he's, he's wanting the best for them um, that, that they can get. So he's an optimistic prisoner, though. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So Paul had intimate contact with numerous Roman soldiers, and um, the guest pastor, what was his name last week? Uh, Kelly. Kelly. Um, whenever he was preaching, it was kind of funny. Whenever he was talking about, you know, Paul, you know, okay, next, you know, whenever shift change and the next guard comes in, next, you know, hey, how you doing? And, and so he, he had a, an endless stream of, of um, Roman soldiers that were guarding him um, during a lot of his imprisonment, and they don't know exactly which imprisonment this was written from, but during a lot of his imprisonment, he was allowed visitors. So people would come to him, and he would be teaching them the tenets of the faith and arguing with them and showing or giving them the truth, well, these imperial guard is sitting right there. I mean, they're not going to be able to completely ignore him. They're going to have to listen whether they want to or not. So they're going to hear whatever, whatever he was saying. Um, the other big thing is they could see that he was falsely imprisoned. They could tell that he didn't do anything except preach the gospel, which at that time was a, a, a big deal because remember what the Romans thought about Caesar, they thought he was God. So now Paul's saying, well, no, he's not. He's just Caesar. Um, and then the Romans also wish, worshiped a bunch of other gods. And, uh, and so Paul is like, no, there's just one, uh, and none of them are him. So um, it was a very powerful testimony. And um, the passage escapes me right now, but uh, there is a passage that um, I believe it was in and Peter that uh, talks about if you're going to be persecuted, don't be persecuted for doing bad stuff, <laughs> you know, so people can see that you're, you're doing good stuff. And I'm making a mess of that, but um, read Peter and you'll find it. <laughs> but even later on, whenever, uh, like Nero was uh, really very, very cruel to the Christians, and, and that kind of swung public opinion a little bit in the in the favor of Christians because people could see that his cruelty was just so out of, um, out of touch with, with the reality of, of who the Christians were and what they were doing. Um, so even, even unbelievers can see sometimes if you're, if you're unjustly uh, being persecuted. <clears throat> and that's one of the famous ones from, from Philippians. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does he mean by that? When you die, you go to glory. So that's a good thing. From, from my perspective, dying doesn't necessarily sound good, but when you, when you die, you go to glory. But what, what's the other half of it? Excuse me? Later, you're seven 
<laughs> well, I, I am to the point in time where things hurt that didn't used to hurt. <laughs> and sitting in a chair becomes a painful activity sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of aggravating. Well, the other half of it is, okay, so if I live, I serve Christ. And remember, we're filled with righteousness, we're filled with the, the fruit of righteousness, and we've got the joy that, that comes with serving Christ. So for me to live as Christ, I'm doing what I'm, what I'm here to do. I'm fulfilled by that. It's a good thing. And in, if I die, I go to glory. That's a good thing, too. So that's, that's a win-win. Um, there isn't a bad choice. So that's a good situation to be in, and that takes some of the, some of the worry away, some of the anxiety away, because... You know, no matter what happens, I'm good. It's just the process of getting it. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that could be, that could be a, an issue, but uh, I guess he wasn't dwelling on that. <laughs> Can somebody read uh, 2, 5 through 8? So like we, again, like we were reminded last week whenever uh, the pastor was preaching from Philippians, right before this it says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, and it's worded in a way that he knows that, that those things are true, that, that we do have encouragement in Christ, we do have comfort from love, we are participating in the Spirit, um, we do have affection, we have sympathy, Paul says, complete my, jo my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Um, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. So the thing that, that we look at whenever we're looking at, at this passage, or the thing that I always kind of focus on when I'm looking at this passage is, um, we look at what the sacrifice that Christ made. And we can't really understand the depth of that sacrifice because we can't understand the glory that he had in heaven with the Father. But he set that aside in order to come down and be with us and minister to us. So he was obedient. Um, I mean, he came down not only, not it, it would be, I guess from, from an earthly perspective, it would be not so bad to come down as a king or something, but he came down as a servant. Um, but again, we can't really fathom the depth of, of how far down he came. Um, but then I have to remind myself that, that the beginning of all this is have this mind in yourselves. He, was also, he wasn't only pointing out what Christ did for us, but he was also pointing out the way we need to be to one, to one another. Have this mind among yourselves that we're, we're willing to serve one another, that we're willing to be humbled. Um, so in light of Christ, in light of what Christ has done for us, it, it really isn't that big of a deal for him to be in prison because Christ was humbled from infinity to earth. It's not that far for, for Paul to be humbled from earth to a prison. So, I mean, it's just 
keep this in mind, it, it, it kind of sets the perspective of, of just what we, uh, what we are here uh, as opposed to, to who Christ is and what he did for us. Can somebody read that? So Paul is thinking about the, the Philippians, and um, as, as we've already seen, and he was praying for them, um, and he knew that they were curious about how things went for him, and he was concerned about that, uh, and he was also concerned with how things were going for, with, with them as well, and uh, most of us in this, in this room are old enough to remember days without Facebook and text messages. So uh, when I was in college, um, most of us are also old enough to realize that long distance calls used to cost extra. So I would uh, call home uh, every Sunday and talk to my mom and, and dad for a few minutes. Um, but most of our communication was through letter. And my mom had a, uh, had a special letter notebook that she kept and I, all my life I remember that. And, Whenever somebody would send her a letter, she would stick it in there, and then whenever she would answer it, she would put an X on it or whatever and throw it away. But it was, all the letters that she needed to answer were stuck in that notebook. Um, but they didn't even have that. They had to have people go back and forth to, uh, to tell them what, what was going on, how things are going. Um, so it took a while uh, because they, it wasn't uh, a real close, it wasn't a small journey to get from Rome, where he was in prison, to Philippi. It was quite a ways. So he, but he, he's thinking about them, and he knows that they're thinking about him as well. And he's, he's encouraged by that, and he's wanting to encourage them in that as well um, to see how, how, they're, uh, how each side is, is doing. <clears throat> and now we're going to start getting to the real reason why we can... We can uh, not worry and be happy. Um, just before this, Paul reminds the readers that um, if anybody had reason to rely on the flesh and what was going on here, he would. And you, I'm sure you remember the verse. The verses he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, which is the special tribe. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Um, he was a Pharisee. He was so zealous that he was persecuting the church. Um, he was blameless under the law. Now, Pastor Joel just finished preaching through the Ten Commandments, and does anybody feel like they were blameless under any one of those ten after, after hearing that? You can't. And as Jesus told us, too, in, in the New Testament, when he was kind of providing some commentary on the, on the law, the, the requirement of the law is, is so... Uh, High, much higher than, than what that mindset was. There's nobody that's blameless under the law. But he found out what the works of the flesh actually amount to. And that's also a famous passage. Does anybody remember what that, what, what are all those works that he did, what does it amount to? Rubbish. Rubbish. And that's the nice way to put it. <laughs> 
Um, so all the, the, we can't do good works on our own. Um, we've, got to, uh, we've got to rely on Christ. Could somebody read that? Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul's kind of going into a, a sporting-type metaphor here. Why is it important that we forget what lies behind? It can weigh us down. It can weigh us down. How, how so? I mean, what happens if what lies behind was a good thing? Brings in glory. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the thing we need to, uh, I used to do uh, competitive pistol shooting, and the, the most dangerous time for me to have a bad shot was the shot after a good one. If I had a really good shot, felt really good, executed just right, and it hit where I wanted it to hit, now I'm in danger because the next one I'm going to mess up. Um, but so whether, whether it's good or whether it's bad, we need to learn the lessons from what, what we go through and then put them aside and press on to the upward call, upward um, go, toward the goal for the upward, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Um, because we, we, Sometimes we get in the habit, if things are going well, that, that things are going well because of me, because I did this. Well, it doesn't. If things are going well, it's because of Christ and, and the blessings that he gives us. If things are going difficult, um, again, we can kind of think about, we can feel guilty. We can you know, do all kinds of uh, crazy gymnastics inside our brains, but we need to stay on track. And, and point in the direction that we're that we're pointing in. Doesn't Paul say in this whole kill kill Christians? Do what? Kill Christians. Yeah. yeah. we can be paralyzed by fear, by guilt, um, but we're forgiven. So, well, you know, we need to remember that. Um, God had things that Paul, that he wanted Paul to do. I mean, God called Paul to do a lot of great things. And uh, so, you know, Paul had to, had to move beyond uh, the bad things that he had done. Um, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And this is a, a really powerful verse. And, and whenever 
we're looking at, because um, it's easy to look at, at our surroundings rather than look at the, the reality that, that heaven has for us. Um, but whenever we think about this, um, we see what, where we're headed. Um, God is going to, uh, we're going to be transformed to be like Christ, and God has shown us that he has the power to do it. So he's promised us to that he's going to do it, and he's shown us that he has the power to do it. He can make it happen. So we don't have a blind faith, I guess is what I'm trying to say, uh, because we know uh, what Christ has, has done. Can somebody read that one? So God's got this. I mean, he, he knows that we're, where our difficulties lie, and he's God over those two. Um, but I want to caution us, because, I mean, I tell this to myself uh, with some regularity, um, but we can't just um, use that as an empty platitude either, or, or we're the same as that song that... that I just said, because sometimes we need to get involved, um, because right after that passage, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. So the Philippians shared Paul's trouble. So Paul had difficult times, but the Philippians were right there sharing with him. Um, and there's a passage in James that talks about, you know, patting people on the back and saying, well, go be warm, go be fed. Um, sometimes we have to help. Sometimes we're called to help. Uh, sometimes we have to get our hands dirty. Uh, sometimes we have to do things that we're not really comfortable doing in order to help other people out. Um, so it's, it's not as easy as just saying, you know, God's, God's in control, you're good. Sometimes we need to help. We need to come alongside uh, and, and help somebody because it's, it's easy to say, but sometimes that's hard uh, for somebody to, to, uh, to hear. So not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he got the gift, and... Um, There, the scholars, and I think they have too much time on their hands sometimes, they, they believe that, that there, were more, there was more than one letter to the Philippians uh, from Paul because they said if it was just that he had received the gift and he was writing to thank them for the gift, he wouldn't wait until the very end of the letter to say that. He would have put it earlier. So whether it was, whether it wasn't, we'll never know. But, um, but he's thankful for, for what they get. And uh, what they gave, but 
he's also saying that it, it wasn't so much for him, it was them. And that's something that we hear whenever we give in the, in the service. And I don't know if Joel ever says it like this, but the gift, when we give to the church, it's, it's for us. God's got plenty of money, but we need to give so we can keep things in perspective. Um, and it's our responsibility to, to help um, move things along the way, that, the way that we're supposed to. And one final, this is actually taken a little bit out of order, but I wanted to end with this one. Um, this is a, a famous part of this book. Not that I'm speaking from being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So Paul has the secret. Um, and the thing that I noticed whenever I was going through this uh, is that he says that he learned it. It's a learned behavior. It's not natural to our, to our sinful natures the, to, to be able to be content. Um, which is more difficult, being knowing how to be brought low or knowing how to abound? I guess it's from the perspective from where you're starting at. <laughs> well, lo lower than where you are or, or abounding from where you are? I think that's a that's a big danger, and then you know we can kind of look at our country and where it's come in the last couple hundred years. That that we kind of think that we that we're doing things on our own, um, but also I think you know whenever we were over in in Uganda and you see how little those folks have and how happy they are. <laughs> I mean, kids playing with a rock. And, you know, we've got to have Xboxes and all that other kind of stuff. And he's got, what was the guy's name, Gerald? A little boy, you remember him? Uh, he was my buddy. I'd, it was either Gerard or Gerald, but um, he had two rocks that were tied together with a piece of string. And that was... <coughs> but, um, you know, it's... We, we just kind of get spoiled. But on the other hand, if you're brought low and you don't have what you need as far as food or, or whatever then that, that make, makes it tough, too. Don't we sometimes get happy uh, or discouraged about abundance? We feel guilt. We feel we shouldn't have that much. We feel others don't have that much. And we'll, somehow we're doing something wrong or we wouldn't have that abundance. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a level thing. How to, how to be brought low and how to abound. Yeah, it's hard. And the same thing with, with Uganda. I, you know, I know that at the school it, it costs you know, $30 or so, $35 or so a month to um, house, educate, and feed one of the kids over there. Well, when Diana and I go out to eat, it's usually $35, $40, whatever, right in that area. So I'm thinking, okay, we just had dinner, and one of those, one of those little kids could have eaten for a month. So it, it's hard because you kind of think, you know, 
Because I know there's nothing in me that deserves more than, than they got. I've just been blessed by God in that, in that way. So yeah, it's, it's hard uh, both ways. But the secret is rely, remembering who, who we rely on um, to give us those things. Um, any other comments? That's all I got. I, I was, I'm surprised that we're hit, done a couple minutes early. You guys haven't been talking enough. even if it's not what he wanted to happen, <laughs> which is why it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had to spend together looking into your word. Father, thank you for Paul and um, his heart for ministry and his heart uh, for those that, that uh, you put into his path. Father, thank you for your word, how it's been preserved for us. And uh, Father, I just uh, thank you that, that you love us the way that you do. Um, and you continually bless us, even though we know that there's nothing uh, within ourselves that, that would deserve that, but it's only through the, the blood of Jesus Christ where we can, we can approach you. Father, I hold up Pastor Joel to you as uh, he's preparing to, to preach to us, and I uh, pray that you would just fill him with your spirit, that you would give him uh, your words to say, and that, uh, that you would open our hearts and ears so that we could receive them. pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you.